You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. It's about that time, guys. Boy, season's here. Adam Jocelyn. Should have learned a rope and ride. All right, Brad Wren. It's almost Daytona week. John Curley. Hey, uh, racers, get ready for the big one. On today's show, we'll look at the expected splits for the Road to Pro, the kickoff of the 2024 NASCAR iRacing Series. We get caught up on new hardware and the story of Sim Racing's greatest underdog, and we ask the question that everyone wants to know, is Dale Jr. the greatest negotiator? And that's right. And you can follow along uh, along on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting the show notes. We hope to see you there. Team Conti Sim Performance, connecting oval sim racers with some of the best to have competed at the highest level of eNASCAR competition. From our wide variety of setup offerings to our coaching services that help racers reach their fullest potential, TCSP is data-driven, people-focused, and ready to help you fight to the top of the iRacing oval ladder. Check us out at www.teamconti.gg. personality and and uh just you know mr nascar he's also now mr i racing and mr get things done right mike yeah i think he's also the director of i racing mr dale earnhardt jr uh his new uh podcast studio i kind of took a peek at that today and he's mixed it up and mike davis is gone you know it it's a little bit weird but uh refreshing but anyway uh we got a, a tweet here from Steve Myers from iRacing, and he wrote, so Dale Jr. uh, brought up a track that he wants in the sim during a board meeting yesterday afternoon. I sent him a contract at 2.25 p.m. today to get it signed. I actually received it back signed at 5.22 p.m. today. Dealer Dale did it again. Speculation? Where's uh, Dale been racing? Well, he's racing at Florence this weekend. Well, there you go. Where did he race right before that? Cordial? No, that's in Florida. Anyway, I, that's my guess. It's some track that he was just on with his Cars Tour, you know, when he's in the car or whatever. I think with Cars becoming the good, the real good minor league uh, division now, especially that still goes around to home tracks, it's going to bring in more tracks just because – that uh of that connection with dell we've got people from the north that are race around here that are going down south and running the cars tour this year that's how big it's getting there's money there's money to uh, win there adam 
versus mm-hmm. up north or well i think it's you get your name out more too and when, when you got dale dust running running it in front of more eyes well dale's a busy man i also heard he doesn't have a renewal yet for nbc contract no they'd be stupid to let that go yeah that was pretty surprising this next one i get wasn't terribly surprising but it was neat to see it and catch it through the uh, the way we caught it i was uh looking on uh nat's discord natalie decker's discord and one of the one of the guys on there posted this where ray ray Abraham has confirmed that irock is coming to iRacing or all but confirmed i guess basically yeah, you see Ray Everham uh, with a verified uh, check mark on his Instagram or his uh, Discord handle, and he wrote, "Hoping to make the announcement within the next seven to fourteen days." Uh, when a, uh, someone else asked him when uh, for iRacing. So the question is, I mean, what are we talking about cars? Because I think his original announcement was they were going to use some of the older cars. I, I took that as if they were going to develop a new car. I've never heard a new car. And, and in fact, the video that I, I mentioned before the show that Paul Tracy put up on his stories today, some video he found of uh, recently of Ray Everham's talking about uh, going and having an actual race in the fall. Uh, with previous IROC drivers and uh, heritage, you know, cars, so to speak. And it showed, like, behind him, the racks of the IROC cars, like he was walking in front of them. Yeah, the only thing that comes out of this reply is, yeah, we're, we're coming to iRacing. It doesn't say anything about which which car. Well, that'll be interesting, because I guess they're still planning to release the uh, SRX as well, aren't they? Yeah, we heard that. Is this a battle of wills, you know? You know, but Ray Abraham just wants to run his own deal. And Well, the, remember the backstory is that he was actually helping helping the owners of SRX out because they were so far in the red by by purchasing SRX. Or I mean, purchasing IROC. All right, Brian, let's have a quick report on the Tag Heuer Esports. Yeah, Dave, so uh, last week kicked off the uh, first week of the Tag Heuer Super Cup. Um, we had, um, it was at Daytona, like every, everybody's at Daytona this month. So, uh, yeah, so coming out top for the week was Sebastian Jobs. So he gets the season started off uh, on the right foot. He wins the uh, the feature race and finished second in the uh, in the sprint before that. Um, Luke McCowan actually won the first sprint, but uh, Sebastian Jobs took the majority of the points for the week. So, uh, yes, so Sebastian Job, he's kind of um, had some slow starts to the uh, this Porsche Tag Heuer series lately, uh, but not this year. He's off to a, off to a quick start, and he usually finishes really strong. So uh, I expect to see Sebastian have a strong season this year, uh, and and um, really uh, push for that title that's been elusive for him for the past few, really ever since uh, since they pulled out with the uh, the big teams. Um, and that's really when uh, Sebastian Job took over as the favorite for the series. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll check out what's going on. They uh, they don't run every week every week like um, like uh, like um, the uh, Outlaws did. They're they're more like every other week cycle. So uh, a couple of weeks we'll see what happens next, and uh, we'll go from there. Um, they did have uh, that uh, 
that all-star race that was beforehand with some of the uh, special guest type of drivers and none other than Casey Kerwin, who, who was, uh, who's a great, obviously a great uh, oval racer, but he's heck of a road racer too. He takes the win in that series. So uh, we'll look to see how that goes next week as well. The points in payout is really interesting because it doesn't go in order. Third place made more points than second place. Yeah, um, I think that has to do with the um, the points are weighted towards the feature race. So I think uh, I think that's pretty much why um, the um, Luke McCowan, who finished, who won the sprint race, he finished eighth in the in the. Um, in the sprint race or in the main feature. So he didn't quite get as many points. All right. And they, and it's a big jump for Sebastian over any of the other places. Did he, I guess yeah. he did win in both races. Yeah. He was a first and a second. That's, that's a really good start, especially after they invert, invert the field. So uh, really, really good finishes for Sebastian. All right. Let's move completely over into the uh, sim racing side. Uh, I racing's NASC. NASCAR console game, it's being built with Unreal Engine, and it's being led by Monster Games. Tell us a little bit about this one, Brad. Yep, so there was a uh, there's an article coming out, I believe, tomorrow um, from Insider Gaming, where they sat down with Tony Gardner and discussed quite a bit of stuff. Uh, a little bit of preview say that, you know, the game was going to be built uh, in the Unreal Engine. Um, so then there was another screenshot I saw. Uh, looks like uh, going to cover all kinds of topics uh, in this article. So uh, just a kind of short snippet, uh, good things to come. But uh, some of the things that were said was, you know, that, that iRacing with due to their name and expectations, uh, you know, they're going to focus on the driving. So I'm not a, I'm not a console guy or an arcade guy, so I'm not really sure how to take that other than maybe, you know, this maybe you have different modes uh, in the game. I'm not really sure. So. Well, they've got some heavy hitters. If you know, using the Unreal Engine, uh, a lot of first-person shooter games were built on that engine, which were pretty good. So, I think that means that it's going to be done right. Um, I'm not a console gamer either, but hey, it, it, if they do it right, then it's a path to the real iRacing. There's probably definitely got to be some something that'll make it more accessible for your less experienced racers, right? Or, or even younger kids where the car just is made easier to drive to make it more mass marketable. But they, like you said, they might have different levels of difficulty. You're not transmitting, Mike. I, I see your mouth moving, but you're not transmitting. It's not. It, oh, there he goes. All right. We lost Mike. Um, let's move on, John. Is this the greatest underdog in sim racing history? What a cool story. So Lake Peterson, guy from nowhere, Oregon, decides he's going to get in the podium 500 back in 2022. Um, he qualified for it and got in the race with some actual, some iRacing pro guys. And it tells a story about the race and, um, a lot of controversy at the end. I liked it because it got a lawyer involved, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, Lake seemed to win the race, but then there was a, a, a protest because he clipped Garrett Maines right before the start-finish line. There were, the protest was upheld, but his lawyer, Lake's lawyer, found a little loophole in the rules, and he ended up giving the race back to Lake. 
Oh, this is the one where it was, to- it was tossed back and forth who won, who lost, who I remember this. So, have you guys heard about a 2024 Podium 500 at all? Or kind of, I haven't even heard of it. Nope. Yeah. I mean, it used to be a really prestigious event up until this event. And I, I think they lost, in my, you know, I hate to say it, credibility in, uh, in officiating the race the way this was handled. Um, in fact, here on this particular podcast, I was quite critical of the way they handled it and thought uh, Peterson was the rightful winner regardless uh, of what they thought. And and it was funny that their own rule book, you know, that this league went to all this trouble to write an actual rule book that kind of mimic a NASCAR officiator uh, and, and have a properly written rule book. They actually went against it. And that's what, you know, they ended up uh, going back to uh, Peterson and in the, in, at the end. The other thing is, uh, you know, it's, I found it interesting. DJ EJ was actually the lawyer who wrote the, the little uh, dissertation that uh, convinced him to overturn it. Even in the classroom, if you have a whole long list of rules, the kids will do everything they can to find uh, w- smart-ass ways around them, basically. I can say that here. I can't call him a smart-ass <laughs> in the classroom. But um, I, I, so I stole a long time ago a rule from – uh, a, a, the Gamecock coach and Arkansas coach and where else? Lou Holtz, right? Notre Dame. He was also at Notre Dame. He had one rule, simply one rule, and it says do right. And it basically says if I tell you you're doing wrong, you're wrong, right? It's, so um, sometimes you the, you can make the rule book too thick and you paint yourself into a corner. Well, that's what they did. There was a – in their rules, there was a protest you could do for penalties, but not for the circumstances that ended this race. And that was, you know, that was what the appeal was. It's like, you, you didn't write a rule into this. This was just your typical Daytona 500 finish where there's a crash at the end. And whoever crosses the finish line first, you're the winner. Well, I think it was a, uh, I think it clearly said you basically could not protest a a non um, infraction or something along those non call, non call. Yeah. Well, I think it said the official, the guy, race control has the final word, and race control at the end of the race called Peterson as the winner, and then that guy who was the race control, he actually quit because of the controversy, and I think some of the announcers did too, and so what's great about this video, John, is. I mean, this is a professional video. He literally has interviews with everyone involved. He's got an interview, in-face interview with Garrett Maines. He's got an interface, uh, in-face interview with Lake Peterson. Uh, he's got video from the actual event. He's got the actual letter that he wrote in to, you know, podium. And he puts together this story that's very digestible and tells exactly what happened, basically. It was very great, uh, a very good watch, actually. It was. It was. It was like a professionally made documentary. A lot of trouble, obviously. You know, to get the video uh, interviews all t- together and then edit it and everything. So well done. I I, I want to go back, David, real quick to the one before because I had a, a technical issue and I kind of missed my opportunity. This is an article that Mike Straw put out today. If you click the link, and um, 
in it, he, he talked to Coney Gardner about, um, you know, the development of this. And they basically say it's monster games. We beefed him up. We've loaned him some talent. We've also found ways to basically import uh, some of the content, like the tracks and so forth. Um, and so the process is going, uh, well, you know, they talk about how the gameplay is going to play out a little bit, but nothing specific. And so, um, it's encouraging, you know, they made the decision about the engine, you know, before, remember they, they said they weren't sure what they were doing with the engine. We kind of thought maybe they were going to build their own from the ground up, but apparently that's, uh, you know, they don't have the time to do that. So I, that's what I think. And so that's why they're using the unreal. You know, a follow-up on that that's worth mentioning. Uh, if you go to the article on Insider Gaming, they've got a link to uh, uh, an article on the IndyCar console, which, and this was released in full, I think, actually t uh, today, or it's going to be released in full tomorrow. But iRacing has said, we're not planning on an IndyCar console game right now. So if you're hoping for that, uh, be patient because it's not coming anytime soon. I mean, we're lucky we got it back on the sim. <sighs> you got to walk before you can run. All right, I can run down this next one real quick since I do a little bit of painting on the side and also have Bobby help me out with ideas. All three cut templates were updated the other day with information from the Clash. So the Toyota and the Chevy had spec channel updates, and the Ford Mustang also had spec channel updates along with revisions to the upper headlight area identity package. They also put out a fair warning that the upper headlight area on the Ford will soon be mandatorily stamped for the next patch. So I, I guess that avoids you being able to modify the headlights or make it look like a completely different brand. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a. I was surprised that it wasn't stamped off the get go. I mean, typically they've had them stamped. Um, you know, I, I race and, you know, partners with the OEMs to do this stuff. And I, I can completely understand because there were people that were taking and creating, you know, Dodge and other sorts of templates to go on the Fords. Um, so I, I figured this was coming. N nobody, I don't think anybody, anybody that's, that does painting or anything like that was surprised. I didn't, I don't run Fords, so I didn't know they weren't stamped. They're not. Um, so like there was, you know, template released, I think big evil or something designs. And, you know, there's all sorts of different iterations of that top grill from a darker, you know, darker in the middle to the uh, under the headlight area being darker. Cause you know, you, you get all this pre pre race stuff and it's, you know, most of our renders and you try to get an idea of what it actually, it's actually going to look like. So, you know, I was glad to see Simpson come out and, you know, I guess the expectation is that I haven't looked at the templates yet, but uh, that these should be the most accurate. Yeah. The Toyota Camry has some funky lights, I, at least the way I look at them. It, it, and so I was uh, wondering if that's kind of the same thing that's happening with the four, but it doesn't sound like it. All right. Um, we, some of us might be excited about this one, but we've got updates on Tempest, which is the weather project. They, uh, put out a tweet says with static weather, you can test specific conditions that do not change or with forecasted weather, you can tap into the true power of Tempest drawing upon advanced real world based models. So that tells me it's going to be based on models, not based on current weather conditions in real world 
if you understand the difference of what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this before. You know, if if I want to go run Watkins Glen in January, um, it would make sense to to have the real world uh, weather there. You know, it would be. I guess the expectation is perhaps it's it's going to be modeled at what would be the normal uh, weather during normal race season. Let's say. Now, if you look at the replies on this tweet, they uh, expand on this. I'll read one of them. Forecasted weather will create a forecast true to what you experience at a selected track and time of year, constrained by the track's open and closed date. You can choose to roll with the provided forecast, or if you like, you can nudge that forecast in a particular direction. So I can't get snow at Watkins Glen. They're not open year-round. So what do we and think? There's, do we do we think well, we're getting this? Do we think we're getting this in season two? Yes. I mean, they wouldn't give these kind of details out, you know, explaining the system. They're trying to, you know, roll this out softly so it's not a jolt, you know, people, oh, I've seen this before, kind of thing when it comes out. It's good that you can nudge the forecast because there are some leagues that do like to set their weather based on what happened in the real life if they're running behind real life. So that that, that can come in handy. In, in Midwestern locations and, and Mid-South locations, the weather can be 80 degrees one year and 30 degrees the next year. Yeah, I mean, uh, back in the in our 2003 days when when i ran a league i mean we used to actually try to use the weather you know from the actual event so you know right. we'd run on tuesday night and we would you know somebody was would record what the weather was temperature and all that from the the sunday cup race or whatever and that's what we would use so um I, i'm i'm excited even at bristol remember the snow angel at brins at bristol i have sat through some bristol and some martinsville races that were so brutally cold it was unreal so, like, this is going to set up all kinds of stuff for oval racing, right? I mean, can we make weather without rain, I guess, is the question for ovals? Or is this really stuck with road? Just like I was thinking, uh, Bristol, you know, make it really cold or something like that, you might get a good race. I would like to see some more extremes in the temperature swings. But in the official races, especially in A, I guess, they need to keep the forecast in a certain range for the whole week, right? Though, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of what we've talked about before. Even remove the rain. I mean, I, I just don't think it's right if you're going to have gigantic swings in weather over the course of a week. Well, look, official has to be static weather, which is an option, and they mention it here. But official is not think, static weather; it's dynamic. Okay. So you leave it like it is, in other words, let's say it like that. And then what I'm saying is if I go create a hosted race on Oval, am I going to have an option to run this weather tool? Don't know yet. Yeah, I don't think we know that one. So that'll be interesting. Um, I, I kind of have a feeling it's for road only. I don't think the tool will be uh, a, an option for Oval. That's just my guess. Well, if they want to be true to real life, oval uh, NASCAR can't race ovals in the rain, right? <clears throat> Especially if you're in L.A. What a joke. But you can go test wet weather tires at Bristol today. Well, look, them running the race Saturday night was actually a brilliant move, you know, in hindsight. Um, we've never, I can't remember a time when NASCAR has done something like that. 
you know, uh, uh, we'll move it up a whole day. Holy cow. And uh, Donnie went to the race and actually found out when he got there that he was still getting refunded, even if he went to the race. So at NASCAR, um, you add to the, you add to all the concessions they lost as well. They lost a crap ton of money in that event that time. Right. So with, with the stuff with NASCAR doing rain events on short tracks, you know, maybe we need this in, uh, in oval, and I, 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 you know, I'd like to ask iRacing to consider it. I, you know, I understand your initial rollout will probably be for road, but I'd like to see this in oval and and have that option for leagues and hosted to to do some out of the box ideas. Well, I mean, we saw Xfinity run multiple races in the rain over a course of years. Well, an important distinction, though, with the oval is that the oval rain tire is not a rain tire. It is a wet tire that is basically just supposed to allow them to start sooner after heavy rain. If there's if you think about the speeds that are in an oval compared to a to a road course and the, and the amount of time you're on, you're in the corner every time it, uh, and you have, you have any kind of pulling at those kind of speeds. I just don't I don't ever see how it could be safe. Well, not from a large oval aspect. From a short track aspect, I don't think it's an issue. I mean, we saw that at Wilkesboro last year. I mean, it has to be a drying track. I mean, it can't be flooded, of course. All right, I'll take this one, David. We got a quick hit here from the Coke series is starting up their 15th season. Um, February 13th at Daytona. And a record payout of over half a million dollars on the line now. That's up from I think three hundred thousand guys. I don't know who coughed up the extra money. Coca Cola. I presume so. They're still the lead uh, sponsor, you know. Um, but you know they do have other sponsors in the broadcast. Uh, you know, as David has talked about before, money, money, money. You know, the teams are paying. Uh, you know, to be involved, and there's a lot of money flowing, obviously. Uh, the winner still gets a hundred k, though, even though the the that uh, number has increased. And so, to me, that says that other two hundred thousand is actually being spread out amongst the other drivers. I would guess, but it doesn't specify. That's kind of a surprise. If you bump up your overall purse, why wouldn't the winner purse go up too? Well, I think they're trying to encourage more teams, more investment in it. Uh, you know, if if you're not going to be up at the top, you you still got to get some, you got to get some kind of return on your dollars that you're putting into this, and so maybe that's the way to do it to encourage people like, you know, Dale Jr., Kevin Harvick, JR Motorsports, Gibbs Racing. It it incentivizes participation. You wonder if NASCAR has some money into it too. All right. In our team management, we've been playing with spreadsheets a lot lately, whether it's getting ready for a race or figuring out who's going to run in an, in, well, figuring out who's going to be on the team in an endurance race. We've been using them. Next up, Brad, we've got uh, a spreadsheet about road to plow, 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 road to pro. Wow. <laughs> David Brown's posted uh, in the forums an updated 2024 Road to Pro spreadsheet. I believe he did this in 23 as well. Um, I, I took a look at it. You know, the amount of time that it took to put this together is, is pretty impressive. Um, he's basically taking, you know, the, the top 
the highest IR rate, the highest IR rating guys, um, you know, and theoretically putting splits together if they were to run, um, what those splits would be. So uh, I think he used, I don't know, up through 5,000 or something was what he did. Um, A lot of work. Yeah, 5,000 and up. And there's a lot of information here that you can kind of gleam, John. I know you were taking a deep dive into this, looking at the teams, who's on what team and that kind of stuff. And there's nobody without a team, I noticed. <laughs> well, we've got, a, we've got a few TBAs but uh, are to be determined. But, yeah, I, I was looking not so much at the names of the drivers because, you know, you, you sort of know who those are going to be. But I was looking at the teams. And, you know, a lot of us – that do iRacing, we're always looking at setups, 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 and setup shops. And and I took a look at those to kind of see, you know, what what setup shops are involved and to what extent. And and you see a lot of those names pop up. I mean, you've got, I guess we can say this, you know, EPI, McConey, Conti, Ryko, Premier, and there are others I'm probably missing here, but you know. The, these places are putting a lot of time and investment into this road to pro. Norse Force, Nexus, there's so many. Nexus, I think, has the most. They have like 30 drivers or something. Legacy, there's so many. But you're right. It kind of gives you a handle of what, what what are the teams and you know how big are they. And, and it gives you a handle of who's on those teams. When you look at the names... Some to me are familiar and some I've never, I don't know, you know, particularly well. So it gives you so, an eye opener on what you would have to do to really be even relevant. Okay. So, you know, David decided, you know, he's only going to put 5,000 and above on this just to, you know, try to keep it simple for himself. But what is that really saying? If you're below 5,000, you don't have a chance. I don't, don't even say know that to Lake Peterson. That's right. that's that's one race though. If he doesn't have the the I rating, he's not going to be in the split to get enough points. You got to make the top seventy. Uh, I followed Derek Limpke last year, right? Uh, and he squeezed in, and he's a five thousand I rating guy. Yeah, I you know look if if you can get, if you're below five thousand and. You, you're running well and you can quickly get to 5,000 and above in the next, you know, couple weeks or so, <laughs> you know, you probably, you probably could do it yeah, if you're good. But, but I think he's right. I think there's a lot of names on this list that are above 5,000. And, and uh, as you state, you know, it's like regular racing, you're doing championship points. You're trying to hit that top 70. Uh, he's estimating, it says here, six splits. Should be fun. So that runs on Thursday nights. That changed from a Tuesday night. Um, that'll be interesting. And um, I think it runs one hour earlier, right? Yeah, several people were pretty upset that it's going to be going on the same time as the duels. Yeah, some of the guys that are trying to run Road the Pro are actually probably going to the race in Florida, you know, for the races for the weekend and stuff. So, yeah, it, it, I you know, I don't know what the change uh, of was it to be opposite of coke so iRacing can keep their eyes on it now raja is um he's is he in coke still or is he just all real life now raja no he's not in coke okay 
because he got a he's got a full time truck ride this year. And who else does is Brandon Jones, and he talks about how to practice restarts during his off season in an interview with Bob Pockrass. And he basically says, you know, on these, you know, we don't have uh, much time in the manufacturer's sim, so we're using iRacing a lot. Basically, to work uh, restarts, racecraft, communication, you know, talking uh, over the headset kind of thing. And so, another example of, you know, a NASCAR driver using iRacing uh, to hone his skill. Now, Adam. How many sponsors does he have on the front of his uh, his he uniform? A lot. Like, I'm count one. I want to say it's like Menards, and then there's like thirty probably little associate B two B sponsors with Menards on there. Well, you know, look, Menards is in multiple series, multiple disciplines, and the way that they do it is they have their vendors pay a fee in order to be featured on the cars. So, you know, uh, Menard, yes, spends a lot of money, but he supplements that, you know, by his his vendors and customers uh, or products that he's selling, uh, being involved in the sport as well. I think I count 34 logo patches just in the screenshot alone. That's got to be a record. Well, if you, I mean... A little excessive. (laughs) Take a look at uh, um, Matt Crafton's truck this year, and you look at the bed, and there's about 60 sponsors laid up in the bed. Nice. I'm over here just trying to find one. (laughs) Call Brandon. He's got a few you could probably borrow. The next topic is appropriate for Dell, considering how much of a historian he is. We've got Drew Adamson asking Adam... I'll pass this one to you since his name is Adam Sun, so he must be your son or something. Um, anyway, he's got a treat about some iRacing history. Yes, he's looking for a replay from Dale Jr. winning his first ever, the first ever E NASCAR GG race. Um, I can't get it to road, but yeah, he's guess he's trying to get the email of the the play and have Dale send it to Drew Adamson. He just wants a copy of the old race uh, when Dale Jr. used to run in the Coke series. Uh, does anyone have a copy of that race? And that's what he's looking for. But if you scroll the replies, you'll see he actually did find a copy of the replay file. So they're good to go. Uh, he actually had posted offering a reward, too. So they found the replay file, but not the broadcast. Uh, well, that's what I think he wanted yeah. was the replay uh, file. Well, the tweet says broadcast. Oh, he says replay or copy. Yeah. So uh, I guess they're going to do something with it next Tuesday night, uh, probably for the opening, is my guess, of the uh, the NASCAR series. All right. You know what we need next, right? Um, They need to do a Netflix series on the Coke race playoff drivers. You heard it here first. I've got it time stamped. I want my royalty. Can you imagine Jimmy Mullis with a camera crew in tow? Just, you know, oh, man, I got to go to my job. At the, they're, they're following him along. Okay, I got to go home. Yeah, I think you're onto something, David. I, you know, people will watch anything, but why not do a little doc, docu-series on iRacing? I think it could sell to the public. Really, we should be on it. <laughs> you know, what, what would be a good idea is somebody like a Caden Honeycutt 
who is a Coke driver, who is a real car race car driver, and you see him going back and forth from real real car to sim, and that would be very interesting. Well, the line's so blurred. There's multiple drivers that could could be in about that if it was a documentary about sim to real, right? What would make an interesting documentary about failed uh, companies, though, is uh, and more information about motorsports games. So they've been given a deadline till May 15th of 2024 to regain compliance or be removed from NASDAQ. And um, I wonder, if, can we place a prop bet on whether that's going to happen or not? I placed about nine parlays last weekend and lost every single one of them, so I'm not going to place anything on that. Aren't they still due to release the uh, Le Mans game? Yeah, I think that's still on their uh, their radar. They're scheduled to release that game. I, I don't know if it's going to happen, but they say it is. Yeah, but it's. I think it's being released basically. What was the language they used? A, I don't want to say like a demo form, but it's going to be a, I guess, a soft form or something. It's not going to be a full game. This is an extension. They they actually were already given a deadline to be uh, get compliance or be removed from the stock exchange, and apparently this is a an extension to that. They they've been given to May fifteenth to get it their act together. Yeah, once your stock drops below a certain level, you can't be traded anymore. So that's that's what it is. It's not good. Well, they you know they might find some venture capitalists that'll throw some money at them and give them a little bit more steam but you know we talked on this show way back last fall that we saw this coming and uh, I just don't think this is any surprise at all no and I think they've been bailed out at least once or twice already all right John what's this next one about so we got a little quick hit with the Formula V car, uh, and I think this I think this is Lime Rock, but uh, Formula V car. The guy is going down the last, he's going down the short hill toward the last turn onto the straightaway, spun his car out and slid right into pit lane, right into his pit, just perfect. A little 19 second video. Um, instead of wiping the car out, he he made it in. Oh, that lime rock. It's so easy to go wide on that last corner. And uh, that's what he did. And boy, it came around. And But somehow he, he didn't hit the wall. Like you said, it's right into pit road. And uh, just like he meant to do it, right? Yeah, I, I actually was trying to get my road I rating up last week and did about 15 races at this track. And I couldn't do what he did if I tried 100 times. Now, is that a Skip Barber or is that a Lotus? 49 formula v oh okay it's a fun car it is the uh, problem i have with it is it's easy to oversteer no downforce nothing but mechanical grip that's why I, when i was looking at it i was thinking the 49 right because i drove that 49 for a majors race and yeah same thing those suckers you had to slow down a lot to get around the corner well, that's what makes it hard. Like you're trying to go fast through the corner and you realize you're going too fast and you turn the wheel more to get it to turn. And that's when it comes around on you. So like, that's what I mean when it's easy to oversteer, but yeah, you got to know what speed to take your corners. And it didn't turn any better than a stock car really. All right, Mike, we got a time attack update. Yeah, this has been fun. Um, 
where do you sit in the standings? We got uh, Brian Curry on 31st. Greg Hectus is 38th. Brad Wren, 47th. Justin Pearson is now 62nd in the standings. And Mike Ellis, 119th out. They only take the top 30, I think. Yeah, I'll probably try a few more uh, attempts at it. You know, I, I don't know. I, I I may have another tenth I can get, but I, I'm not going to get anywhere near where some of these guys are at. I don't know how they're doing it. Are the times always qualifying times, or can you run? Or is it, can you just hot lap and let your tires get warm? Hot lap. Yeah. So you okay? Because uh, still, even with hot lapping, I'm I'm so bad at it. I'd never I'd never rank high in this. I actually ran this several times and felt like I had gotten everything I could get. <laughs> then, wow, 118 guys are faster than me. Wow, that's uh, very humbling. Yeah, I think I ran a point six or something, and I think I think the guys are down to the threes or the twos. I don't know. I, you got to flat foot it around Charlotte, and uh, I can do it through one, but I cannot do it through two. And you know, do, I can do it through three, through one and two, but I cannot do it through three and four without losing the truck. So you're you're thinking those times are they're not lifting at all? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you. Uh, yeah, you got to be flat foot in it. Um, and like I said, I just can't hang on to the truck. I wonder if you flat foot and just drag the brake enough to get it to turn. Yep, I saw a head nod there. You want to allude to that, Adam? Or, Adam, you're not on this list. Oh, I haven't you tried? Oh, uh, or drag your brakes before you as you're going out. For a second, get seat in your tires, give it some grip in the front, lock up the left front a little bit. Yeah, but you can run, uh, you can run a couple of laps and get your tires nice and warm anyway. And you, don't, you don't have to, you don't have to run it like a like a qualifying run. Some of the short track cars, we lock the left front up and drag it on our outlap just a little bit, just to get the tire worn out a little bit and heating it, get the left front to pull the car on the track. That's what they were doing uh, in the clash on 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 Saturday when they were going out there for qualifying. Everybody was locking up the tires, trying to get some heat in them. So there's equipment on the on the give here. They're giving away the thr Thrustmaster wheelbases, and so uh, yeah, get involved, guys, if you want to try to see if you're fast. All right, let's start talking some events. I'll get the less interesting but still fun one on uh, out of the way. Uh, we got the Bathurst 12 coming up. This is going to be in GT3 cars only. Um, it's going to have the normal four time slots. I guess, yeah, they're not going to add that fifth time slot since it's more than six hours. You have to have basically a C-class license, right, John? Yeah, so I'm not going to make the same mistake on this. I did it with the Daytona 24, uh, I, you know, in that one. You had to have a D license and a 4.0 safety. Well, I had the D, but I didn't have the 4.0. But now I've got my C license, so I'm good. Uh, this is going to be at Mount Panorama Circuit, uh, which is a really cool track. I've been practicing on it this week. You got some uphill, downhill. Uh, you better learn finesse on this one because it's a narrow track. And get your team together and run this one. There's no off tracks. If you if you mess up, you're in the wall. Yeah, the climb up and the climb down is is dangerous. So and that's where you're going to end up. You make up a lot of time, or you can damage the car pretty quickly. And the, and the, the hardest corner for me is the literally the last left hander coming out of the straightaway, where yep. you just try because you're really trying to squeeze, trying to get as good of a run onto that long straightaway as you can. 
And if you're not up to speed quite, then you're getting run over from behind, which is dangerous too. Yeah, they can get re- they can get really impatient, um, and it's not multi class. So if they if they're lapping you, or or there's somebody who didn't qualify very well and they think they need to win it on lap one, you got you got to be careful. Um, the it is a team event, and you have to declare your drivers and get the fair share. Um, so do be aware that that's in effect. It starts up on for the time of day. Uh, the green flag will come out at at uh, five forty five a.m., and so that's pretty, it's pretty much going to be an, a daytime race, with it being summertime. How yeah. about the racing poster? Pretty cool. Yeah, the posters keep getting better and better. So yeah, the actual twelve hours of Bathurst starts you know right at early morning, so you get that 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 dawn, uh, you know, first few laps. So you know, I know. Team Tifosi's running two cars. So I think we're a couple guys are running the Merc, and then we're going to run the Ferrari again. So, uh, looking forward to that. Should be fun. I may not have said the actual date. It's the twenty third through twenty fifth of this month. There are there are no BOPs put out. Go ahead, Adam. How many car? How many drivers can you have per car? Uh, minimum two to twelve, or no, sixteen. The max is sixteen. Okay. Uh, was it? With it being 12 hours, I, I don't know if you've been looking. We've posted it. I don't know how closely you've been watching chat, but we've we post a spreadsheet where you can sign up for all the events. We've got the whole – we've got one sheet that's set up for all year now. If you want to try any of those, you yeah, can see. Yeah, I'll see if I can move some things around this weekend and maybe do it that weekend. So I know uh, the other Brian has also said he's interested in maybe running depending on his what his wife says pretty much. Yeah, so we've got two teams right now. Um might end up with three. Yeah, let's do it. Last year, me and Tom ran Sebring with just the two of us, and right now we're planning on running this one with just the two of us. Might I, even I play might the, do Sebring. Play song. I like Sebring better than Bathurst. Sebring is my favorite track. The cars that are running are the Audi, the BMW, the Ferrari, the Ford, the Lamborghini, the McLaren, the Mercedes, and the Porsche. And there's no BOP out yet. So they are still running the Ford GT. Hmm, surprising. All right. Uh, um, only person who should cover this next one is Mike. It's go time, baby. It's the Daytona 500. The iRacing Daytona 500 has been announced. We have a poster. It is beautiful. Oh, man. Really, uh, like like Brad just said, they keep getting better as, uh, as the year goes on. Whoever's doing these, kudos. But it's the normal uh, time slots that we're used to. Um, in the NIS series. And so this is the first race of NIS. And um, NIS stands for the NASCAR iRacing Series. And we have open and fixed. And so uh, Wednesday night, well, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern will be the first uh, time slot. And then there's an option to run uh, Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern. I won't do that because it'll mess with the recording of the podcast. And then we have Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. I'll run that one as well. And then, of course, Sunday morning early. And because I have Sundays off, I'm actually planning on running that one as well. Uh, That's Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern. What about you guys? Are you running? How many Daytona 500s are you going to run? It will depend on recording gigs and performing gigs. But usually I can run Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. 
I've got Thursdays off of work now, so I might be able to run Wednesday night and I guess without it being in affecting work the next day. Yeah. I mean, I plan to run Wednesday. If that goes well, I'll be done. If not, I'll hit it again, I guess, Saturday. Oh, if you, if, uh, if you don't win, you can always try again. I know, I know, but <laughs> it's a long race. I don't think I can do three of them, Mike. You're better the man than me. So you guys that have done this before, based on experience, how long do you expect this to last, one of these races? Three and a half, four hours. Yep, your right foot will be wore out. Your leg will be wore out. You get airplane butt. Yeah, yeah airplane butt. I hate that. Not if you got a good bucket seat. I'm in an aluminum seat, and it's actually not that bad because it's kind of ergonomically good for the back. Yeah, it comes. It doesn't really have to do with the padding. It has to do with where the pressure goes. If the pressure is evenly distributed, you're good. Well, my my wife's a nurse, so she's going to uh, insert the catheter halfway through. <laughs> well, it's great if she can, you know, feed you and give you drinks and that kind of stuff. But now, fixed is, uh, you know, the. Uh, Opposites uh, times basically. Um, you got Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. You know, Saturday morning. You know, uh, there's a 5 a.m. Eastern, and then there's a Saturday morning, 12 p.m. Eastern, and then finally Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. That's the one I'll probably run for fixed is Sunday night. Um, I do have to work Monday, but I'll probably do it anyway. Uh, just trying to search in for that indie, you know, to, for that Daytona 500 win, and you know, I've won it once, and I've won Daytona in the in the summer several times, but I want that second 500. I'm just determined as hell um, to get it. Uh, de- uh, division spl- uh, sets are on Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. So when that race kicks off and finishes, your division is set for the whole season. Yep, looking forward to the season. It's going to be fun. Podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Get involved on the Discord and get in the discussion seven days a week. And check the show notes at iRacersLounge.com and get your merchandise. We have really good hats. I wear them all the time. Uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. Uh, sweaters and shirts and you name it. And that's at iRacersLounge.shop. And we're in regular rotation at Performance Motorsports Network. And let's talk uh, 2024 fantasy. Well, we still have the league up. It's still on the app. Go do it if you want to. It's not too late to sign up. Yeah, I went ahead and signed up. I've Believe it or not, I've never done a NASCAR fantasy. So I'm kind of interested to see how this goes. Yeah, so just got to get it on your phone. It's a NASCAR app. Uh, hit the menu, you know, hit fantasy and so forth. And just follow your the prompts. It's pretty easy. The trick is just getting yourself to make your picks every week before the race. And that's something I struggle with, but we're going to try it again. Um, but I encourage all listeners to get involved. Uh, we, we have a lot of fun. We gave away some merchandise to the winner. Uh, you know, so we'll hook you up. Whoever wins this, we're going to hook you up.
Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, we're going to open up hardware with Mosa uh, SGP shifter review by Simpit. Take it away, Brad. Yep, so we've actually got a couple reviews up here. We've got one from uh, the Simpit and Sean Cole, and then we've also got one from Evil Rabbit. Uh, so the Mosa SGP sequential shifter. Um, it looks like a pretty decent shifter. Um, it's a low end, I mean, I don't say low end, but from a cost stamp, cost, I think it's around 200 bucks. Um, 129. Or 129, I'm sorry. So, uh, you know, it got decent reviews. Um, you know, Sean talks a little bit. If there's a little bit of, I guess, a little bit of, I don't want to say flex, but a little bit of shift uh, left to right. Um, but, you know, for an entry-level uh, shifter, again, got got pretty good reviews. You can adjust the tension. It's got two extra buttons there that you can, uh, can set to use whatever you want. Um, did like the, you know, the look of it and the feel of it. Um, so, I mean, again, for an entry level sequential shifter, I don't think this is a bad option. It's a very affordable option. I mean, 129 bucks and it works. And so if, yeah, if you're on a budget, I mean, this is definitely something you should consider. I mean, they didn't really have a lot bad to say it about it. This other guy, evil rabbit, uh, he did a review as well. Yeah, it was nice that you could adjust the height um, with it. So depending on how your rig is set up, you know, you can adjust the, the height on it. Uh, like I said, you can adjust the tension uh, as well. But, you know, the price is right for somebody who wants to try one of these out. You know, if you're not sure if you want one or not, don't spend a lot of money. Get this one and see if it's sequential for you or not. You know, it seems like the favorite right now is that sim magic you know that does the h and the sequential yeah brian's got one he's 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 how much was it i forget uh i want to say it's around four something um maybe high threes yeah i looked at that when i was building the rig um and i ended up going with the the fanatec um just because i'd had it before um and again trying to kind of cost and like i told brian we were having a talk one night and you know the, every, all the reviews i read on the said magic talked about how noisy it was and and so i was like well i don't remember the uh the fanatec being that loud and then i was sitting down here one night and i took one ear off you know one earphone off and i'm going through the gears and i'm like holy crap this thing is loud <laughs> forgotten about how loud it was yeah the said magic's about 260 i stand corrected that's a good value. That's probably the the sweet spot right now. There's a one later in the show that's a lot of money, but we'll wait for that. All right. If you're a DIY guy, this is probably for you. Derek Spears has inter- reintroduced, I guess, a basically a button box controller of sorts. It's a it's a just a chip board with a lot of inputs on it, basically. Yeah, allows you to, I guess, assign up to 32 uh, inputs. I mean, you look at the picture of this thing next to a penny. It is teeny. Yeah, that's the standard pen size that you'll see on any any motherboard, right? If you've if you've put together a computer. Yeah, but I mean, you're just, I'm just saying, if you look at the size of the actual board itself, it's small. Yeah, and he does say, "quote Here's the world's smallest 32 button controller made." <laughs> So can you imagine, uh, I mean, my head would be spinning to, to remember what to do with 32 buttons. What goes to what? No, you should check out his website, DerekSpearsDesigns.com. And uh, he's got some 
He's got some button boxes that have 32 buttons on them, I guarantee you. You were just uh, talking about how do you know it goes to what. Um, I've got 15 buttons on each side, so I have two of them, as well as the Formula One buttons or the buttons on my Porsche. I probably have actually about 40 buttons going. Yes, that's why you buy a P-Touch label maker and you make labels for all your buttons. Aberrant VR. I can't help you. I don't have a problem. There's a system to it, you know. Um, everything is in, in 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 locations that make sense. So it's you know most of the most of the car setup stuff is on the right side. Most of the volume stuff and JRT stuff is on the left side, and then uh, in car stuff is on the wheel. So it, it actually gets pretty simple. So I have a question on button boxes, and I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners probably wonder the same thing. So can you set up a button box so that it toggles through the black boxes, and then let's say you get to the one where it's the fuel box. Can you then toggle down in that fuel box and select, say, gallons and things like that? Can you do that? Yep. Yes, but your your best option for that is to have the the eight way on 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 your wheel because that's basically a, a a controller that you can also twist and you can push up and down and left and right and you can depress it as well and then when you get it where you want you can turn it to the right or turn it to the left and so you can do almost all those functions with just that one switch. Yep. And I, I think you, you can put that on a button box as well, but mine mine are on both of my wheels, so that's how I do it. It's a little mini joystick, essentially. Yeah, or funky switch, I think, is what it's typically called. So, like, on my, I've got an ignition controls box, and it has a four-way funky switch, I guess you'd say. So, I use that for the black box, left, right, up, or down, whatever I want to do. And then I've got a uh, an encoder right below that to immediately adjust whatever I get to. And then right under that is my button to hit select. So, yeah. I have ignition controls as well. And then, you know, Donnie just bought one, too, I think. Um, and Donnie had built his own box. I, I presume he had a controller similar to this. I wonder why he's going away from the DIY to the ignition controls. Uh, the ignition controls just look so good. I couldn't make anything like this if I wanted to. He saw a picture of it on your rig, and he's like, sold. <laughs> well, I told you, I reached out to you because I saw your picture, and I was like, hey, what is that? And you sent it to me, and I was like, yeah, that's expensive, but got to have it. Look, when you buy Derek Spears designs, uh, a lot of his stuff is kind of plastic, I guess, or 3D printed. This ignition control thing from Poland, it's made out of metal, you know, and so it's quite different. It is. But, you know, going back to Derek Spears, he's one of the guys that started this years ago. Um, I mean, I. Years ago, I had a, a Fanatec Club Sport, you know, wheelbase, had the panels on both sides. Um, but, you know, Derek's been around for a long time. Good guy. Uh, I definitely would recommend if you're looking for a button box. Yeah, he's got affordable options, and he's got these kind of pieces where you can build your own. So speaking of affordable, uh, Ghost Sim Racing Phantom Pedals, um, they've released what looks to be an extremely affordable set of pedals, um, $299 for load cell uh, base pedals. These are great-looking pedals. Has anybody heard anything? I haven't seen any reviews on these yet. Nope. 
they're new to the sim racing game as far as i know they look good yeah they do d3s that i've had for seven years (laughs) now you're getting sim coach next can't afford that (laughs) he's a real racer he can't afford that you know, if I had to compare these, you know, I would probably com- put them up against the Heiskenveld Sprints or um, yeah. something along those lines. Actually, Adam, you should just get a hold of a Lawrence and see if he'd send you a set for throwing a sticker on your car. I would love that. Yeah, I mean, I've got the, the Heiskenveld Sprints. Um, you know, there's been, I mean, these look very similar. There's all kinds of ones out there that are very similar to this. Um, but again, yeah. I guess keep an eye out for any reviews, but looks like to be a good product. Well, I noticed on their website, they've got five reviews, all five stars. Um, but I'm like, uh, Brad, I, I can't find a review on these yet, but it is something to look for to see what some of our uh, YouTubers have to say about these. Well, YouTubers are important. I mean, I can tell you when I got back into to build my stuff last year, um, I probably spent a month, you know, just doing nothing but watching reviews over and over again, different types, trying to decide what I wanted to buy um, and was actually shocked at how much was out there. Cause when I left the sim racing uh, scene back in 16, I mean, there was, you had a couple YouTubers and that was it. It's just, it's crazy how many guys are doing reviews and stuff now. Yeah. I mean, that's our only source of information other than if you get into, you know, talking to people when you're online on iRacing or, uh, listening to shows like ours. I mean, there's no other way to get information about this new equipment. Well, you can get on the iRacers lounge discord and (laughs) get some information and listen to the show. Oh, wait, you already are. (laughs) All right, Mike, triple 55s. This is, this is your lane. Well, this is, you know, coming from our iRacers lounge discord. This is listener louder racing who won our fantasy two years ago. Um, he was our fantasy winner, but, uh, boy, this guy, he doesn't spare any expense. Okay. And, um, he actually went triple 43s recently, and then he decided it wasn't enough. And he, so he went to triple 55s, put up a two minute video here. Wow. This is, this is what I want guys. I want triple 55. I keep saying it, but boy, every time I see it, I'm just like, this is, this is like the pinnacle. And then the other equipment he's showing off here is that Porsche dash, the real big, big wide dash. Uh, boy, does that thing look sweet. Too, too big, too big. It almost is. I, it look at totally covering the dash inside the car, but I guess that's the idea. Anyway, uh, very impressed with this setup. Um, well done. So continuing on the line of uh, button boxes, so we've got uh, some steering wheel push to talk buttons. A um, couple here we we kind of ended up with a a chat going uh, on the the team chat about you know adding a push to talk to to your wheel. So um, a couple options. Martin PC has got a single push to talk uh, with a back Velcro strap to to secure it and then we ended up finding and I, I somebody posted this and then i saw it and i bought it um this is one i found on etsy um which is actually i like because you've got multiple you know it's actually six two two four yes yeah, six input inputs on this um 
you know, this guy that makes these up out of, he's in Pennsylvania. I think I ordered it on Sunday and I had it by Thursday of last week. Um, really enjoying the, uh, the build quality. So again, all kinds of options. If you need, you know, if you're running a, like a, a stock car wheel, you still got to be able to talk to guys. Um, so good options. Yeah. $75 it shows. Um, and it's got not just the push to talk, but a couple other little buttons there to make use of. And I guess, Brad, I would ask, how do you have the wiring ran so you're not concerned about it ripping out the USB? All right. So what I did was I've got, I have a USB hub um, behind my monitor. So I bought a two foot USB extension cable that's into my, into my USB hub. And then I ran that up to, um, the backside of my wheel and I have that basically zip tied in place. And then I plugged the actual button box, the, the push to talk box into that. So all of the coil is just around my steering wheel. It does, none of that goes back behind the actual base itself. So, um, I can crank it, you know, however many times I want to go either way with no issues. Pretty nice. I might have to get me one of these. I'm going to put this on my list. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking my hand off and touching the ignition controls box to do a push to talk. And I'm driving one handed when I'm talking to the team. And it it is distracting to do that. I, it'd be better if it was on the wheel. Yep. And the, what I liked about this is like for this example, you know, on the screen, the green one I use for talking to you guys, and then the red one I use for iRacing chat. So I've got both options there, um, regardless of who I need to chat with. What are you using the other levers for there? Uh, volume control. Sometimes you get into into a session, it seems like chat's real quiet or whatnot. Um, I'm only using one right now, so I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the other one. Um, I haven't decided yet. That's why I like this one, because it gave you some options. Mardone or um, Marden PC, they actually sell another one that has just two buttons. Um, it's like a little bit more money, but I saw this one, and I was like, you know what? It's hard to beat having all those options. All right, next up, we've just got an Instagram post, so not a whole lot of information on it, but it's a Conspit uh, post. And it's their GT Lite. And they, they're, it's interesting. They say elevate your sim racing experience with their top tier. Uh, oh, seat bracket. Okay. So it's got a seat bracket in, as, as well as a, uh, you can strap in. Um, so it's a nice little small setup. I don't know what they're trying to show off, David, but I'm intrigued and in why it's on our show about the big air hose going into the back of the seat. That'd probably be, you'd probably want the, that to be AC, yeah? Well, that's what I'm thinking. That, you know, is this another one of the cool, is this a version of a cool seat, you know, where you got a fan just blowing air in there? Um, the, the way the, the bucket seat looks designed, um, it almost looks like there's a cavity there, you know, behind the cushion and potentially for that air, but it's hard to see. Well, nothing in the post other than the visual would say anything about that, but that, that will be neat to hear. Yeah, the rest of the rig is just, it's not, it's a mat and um, it's just custom sized aluminum, right? It, that, it, it's not really 80 20 with a, with a ultra wide monitor or, or extra wide monitor. So if you go to their website and, and you look at this GT Lite, it's, it's a slim down version 
of a cockpit. I mean, you know, the, the aluminum profile is it's small. So if you think of your typical 80-20 rig and reduce the size of about 80%, um, I guess that's why they get the light because it's, you know, the footprint is about the same size as normal, but it's just a lighter weight cockpit. And, and no, the website doesn't show that vent either. Yeah, I you know, I just like the idea of uh, of having air coming into a seat. I'd like to see more instances of that. It looks like Conspit's trying it. But jumping to this next one, I found this, and this is actually uh, wireless earbuds that are tactical wireless earbuds. They, you know, people use them shooting. Uh, they're designed for, like, law enforcement, police, security. Um, not only do they provide uh, hearing protection, but they also are a Bluetooth connection to your phone or uh, other communication device. And I was thinking, you know, this might be cool for iRacing. Uh, you know, the way that I run audio, I have speakers. I have two big uh, computer speakers and a big old woofer, and I run it pretty loud. And then I have a headset where I listen to my team and the spotter and drivers in. Well, the headset gets hot. And so I've always been looking for an alternative uh, besides the over-the-ear headset. And so this might be it. And so I'm debating, you know, maybe I can hear my driver communication through these little earbuds. If that's what it's solely for, yeah, that's a good move because you're not as worried about full frequency response, right? They're, the little headphones are never going to have the same level of of frequency response throughout the spectrum as over the ears are. But if you're only using it for voice, sure. Um, I hate earbuds because they just if they're in my ear for 30 minutes, my ear starts to hurt. They're just not comfortable. Um, that may just be that may just be the size of my ears, being being a smaller guy. But I've just never like having earbuds compared to the over ear. If you're running the game sound, do not go earbuds. Right. I would never think of running game sound through it. This this voice, you know. And if if you're trying to replicate NASCAR, you know, are you you know are you the guy that wears a helmet sim racing, you know, and then you put on the the head scarf and you need little earbuds like this so that you can hear the crew chief, right? Somehow you can get a speaker in them too. All right. We got a, an announcement from Gomez Sim Industries that they are, they have the FPE V2 wheel that's being released on F on February 13th. Uh, it the post highlights that the wheel is lighter, brighter, and a little bit smaller than some of their other wheels. And, it's, it's hard to just keep saying the same details. It's Gomez Will. It's got all the nice layout, and it's a little smaller. Yeah, we've talked on a previous show uh, when they interviewed him at the Sim Expo thing, uh, what those changes are, um, just little tweaks here and there. Uh, like you said, lighter, a little smaller. The button layout's uh, a little different. They've added encoders, and they didn't have the, enco the rolling encoders before. So, uh, yeah, so this is just the next generation of the Gomez wheel. What do you think of the colors? I mean, you click through the pictures on this Instagram, guys. They got some really neat color combinations. I, I love the purple, actually. Pretty cool. I kind of like the, the red and cayenne one, or cyan, however you want to pronounce it. 
I do not like the one where every color is different. It just looks, uh, to use a southern word, gaudy. I like the all black one. But you never can go wrong with all black. There is a t- there's one that's not pictured here, a Tony Canon version, which is kind of that lime green and black. All right, we have an update about, uh, or actually just a video about an add-on that's coming for the Logitech G Pro. What can you tell us, John? Yeah, Logitech, uh, you know, they've got their direct drive wheel out. They've announced that they're going to come out with a G Pro wheel add-on. Um, you know, I I honestly don't know a lot of people. I, I should rephrase that. I don't know anybody that's using the G Pro wheel or uh, direct drive base, but They've announced that they've got a G Pro wheel coming out, and you know, I guess if you're if you're in their ecosystem, it might be worth looking at. Uh, I don't know, guys. I mean, have you heard any any feedback from anybody you know that's using that direct drive base? But uh, it's actually not from Logitech. It's from a different company called 3D Wrap. They're the ones who've developed a, a way to hook a different wheel to this uh, base. So uh, if you're the one stuck with this base, um, now you might have some wheel options. But 3D Wrap has always uh, presented unique options for products that have limitations like this, and uh, they continue to do so. Um, Well done. In the case of Logitech with attaching other wheels, is it just a matter of designing the hardware? Because in some wheels, they basically, you have to have the, you have to have their wheel to basically for the base to authorize the use right they they can basically basically have a software blockout so i'm wondering if that if logitech didn't worry about that and will just allow anybody who can adapt the hardware to 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 fit a wheel on it's not like they have a quick release you know where the, the wheels can be interchanged so they're not concerned about it they're not expecting you to unbolt the wheel and put a formula wheel on it which is what these guys are trying to do well, I did notice in the video that there there is a quick release you can get for this. Uh, whether it would apply or adapt to other wheels, I'm I'm not sure. Now, why isn't Brian here for this next one? I really wanted him here for this one. I'll take it. But sim racers have asked, and guess what? We got the better bazooka BDH from the United Kingdom has finally delivered with their new h1 sq dual mode shifter it is a h pattern it is sequential it is both it looks pretty much the same as the original bazooka um and boy is it a beauty yeah if you watch the video of him describing this thing that it's a tank i mean it's an absolute tank i never saw a price yet um they don't sell it directly you have to get it through a reseller I think the original is what around a grand, twelve hundred. I want to say or eleven hundred. Yeah, um, you know what was neat. I think when I remember watching this, it's you know, it's it's all mechanical. It's not you know electronic in there as far as you know how it works. I mean, it's it, it's. I mean, these things are they're hand built. You're getting almost a piece of art when it comes to this. You're right. Uh, the engineering in it is extreme. And, and to have the guy who designed show us how it works, you know, the inner workings, and he talks about how it's, you know, dual mode and how that actually functions. And like you said, it just blows you away. Like, I would be honored 
to to mount this on my rig. Honored. <laughs> I don't know. I did eleven hundred dollars for a shifter. I mean, is that this crazy or is that this? Yes, yes, that's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty high. That's that's almost like two thousand dollars per pedal. You know, for active pedals. Yeah, this is like buying active pedals, isn't it? For something that really doesn't, outside of, I guess, immersion, I think that's the only benefits you get. But the fact that you get uh, a really good H pattern you, or a really good sequential and you don't have two pieces of equipment, that's gold too. And, and like like you said, the look of it just makes your, just elevates your rig. And so, yeah, if you're looking for the best of the best, this is it. I guess for, for, for me, it just pers doesn't personally interest me because I really only like to drive the newest cars for the most part. I'm not a big throwback guy. It's interesting because I do the same thing in DCS. They have what's called War Warbird Wednesdays, and they all jump in the old World War II planes, and I prefer just to be in in an F-18. Uh, same thing. I like I just enjoy, even though I'm not particularly fond of the product or the racing as it is right now, I just like to stay in the in the – modern cars with a sequential shift and since my fanatec won't shift back i stick i just stick with sequential shift i'm certainly not going to spend a thousand dollars on it if somebody gives me one yeah i'd, I'd, I'd mount it all right this how next one go ahead adam how do i get a sticker for that one probably the same idea contact the guy <laughs> I mean, we, we've we know lawrence i don't know the guys who do this one the next item is from ZenSim Wheels. They posted an Instagram video of a new wheel that's going to be released soon. It's called the Vezza Ultra. So we don't have a lot of stats on it. It's another formula wheel. Uh, the biggest thing that grabs my eye at first is that the LEDs are programmable. You can basically set them to whatever color you want. So if you if you are, that's pretty nice. Then versus having to switch buttons, you could set it to different modes for different cars, maybe or or just set it the way you want. I like this look of it, how it's kind of narrow in the middle. It's not real fat. It's kind of lean and mean. Yeah, and you can't see the backside of it, so I can't. You can't really say much about the pedal configuration or paddle configuration. Uh, oh no, yeah, now I can. If you get a little further in, you can see the the clutch. So it does have the dual clutch. It looks like. Yeah, they got a website zensimwheels.com, and I'm there now. I have yet to see a price. Well, it hasn't even been released yet. Well, it says in the Instagram post, get your limited pre-order price now. They have a weird website, so that's a red flag. <laughs> like, if I can't find the price within about 45 seconds, there's something wrong. Well, it's just really high. Now, let's move on to this next wheel, because this one is for real i mean we got the sim magic gt neo we've seen uh, some reviews on this and now we have dan suzuki and will ford from boosted media 289 dollars. how do they do it for that price what a value is basically what these guys both have said um for that money you're getting a a fantastic wheel yeah this came out about um five months late for me because I ended up purchasing their GT4 wheel, which was $500. Um, I could kick myself in the tail. I like the GT4, but I would like to have this a lot more. I mean, I like the chipped, uh, or I call it a camouflage look, but it's really a chipped carbon fiber look. Yep. It's a great-looking wheel. So I'm tempted to 
snag it and try to sell mine just to cover the cost. <laughs> but I haven't decided to tell the wife that yet. I mean, Sim Magic. Uh, you have any regrets about getting involved in that ecosystem when you see them putting out product like this? No, no. You know, John had asked me. Uh, I think. I think today it sent me a message asking, you know, what kind of wheelbase I had. And um, I mean, I did tons, you know, like I said, I, I watched so many videos before I started pulling triggers um, and everything I saw about them was just good reviews. So again, they continue to release new stuff. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about them, you know, with, um, you know, the magnet, the, the magnetic connector thing that they've released to where they can, you can use their wheels with other bases. So um no, they continue to release good stuff. So, no, I have no regrets currently. Right. I'll take on the next one. Looking for a button box, we have the EP Lab Sim Racing teases their new carbon fiber button box that's releasing soon on the Instagram. And uh, this is kind of a Porsche replica style uh, box. And what's unique about it is it's got like a fan inlet or an air inlet at the bottom I, you know i don't know if that's just for style is it functional i can't tell my guess is it's for style i don't see anything that would talk to yeah looking at it you know the the actual uh usb cable looks like it's coming in right from the back of where the the fan is um, it's a great looking button box my only issue is and when i was looking at button boxes you know, I don't want something that's already, I assume this is probably, you know, pre-labeled and that would be an issue for me. Yeah, it's designed to look like an actual uh, button box you might see on a car, in, in a proper sports car. Yeah. Yeah, like a GT3 car, GT4 car or something like that, yeah. And that, yeah, that, and I think it is just for look, the little air vent thing. Yeah, it's probably just where you might actually have an AC in in the in a setup. This next one is interesting. When I first looked at the picture, I was thinking, eh, um, it looks kind of plain Jane, but it's not as plain Jane as you might think. It's almost kind of stream deck-ish in a way. Um, it's by Box One Racing. They've posted on their account, and it's the newest addition to their offerings. This one has two knobs and 20 um white buttons. However, they're not really just white. They're LED, so you could almost use it Additionally, is an eye flag or something because you can program it to to alter the colors based on telemetry. Pretty cool. Now we saw one that was like this from a different company. Um, the last uh, over the winter, I forget the name of it, but it was similar style. Um, this is kind of a takeoff of that. It looks like. Yeah, you can have it light up for the flags or gears, or even work as a spotter for you if you wanted to. Just anything, it, it, it will light up on anything that's accessible by telemetry from your sim. Yeah, I think it's a pretty option depending on what you want. Um, you know, for me, you know, I like something that's more tactile. So I want, you know, knobs, I want switches, I want that kind of stuff as opposed to just something like this. I think this something like this would be good if you're a streamer, if you're looking to do stuff like that, um, like a stream deck. Um, but Again, it just kind of depends on what, what you want. 
and it's especially in VR having having so much of a similar texture all the way up and down, it would you would just get lost. It, with my button box layout, it's easy to tell what's what, and even even when I'm uh, my keyboard has I I put little pieces of Velcro on certain keys to make it easier for me to find my way around the keyboard. Uh, even especially when I'm flying, because I only use one hand over there, and I have to jump across both sides of the keyboard. All right, what's this next explanation, Adam? Uh, Thomas Jackmeyer sits down with Curith to answer questions regarding the Black Friday issues with Fanatec and back orders. So this was a video that came out today. I actually watched, and it's an interview with the leader of Fanatec, Thomas, and. Uh, and this guy just basically flew to Germany to interview him about, and he gathered questions from his listeners and a community about what to ask him. And he gave him some the hard questions, like what happened on Black Friday where people ordered all their all this equipment and they still don't have it. What happened with the DD uh, uh, Club Sport Pro Plus or whatever they call it, the Plus one that is playstation compatible it still hasn't shipped they're still to this day waiting for sony to approve it why would you sell those to people and take their money if you don't have a ship date and do you have any regrets about that would you do it differently and incredibly he he was like no we would still sell it maybe we would put a, a more conservative date out uh, versus the date we put out, but we would still sell it to them and, and take their money. And, and even though, uh, Sony still at this point hasn't, uh, approved it. And then, so he talked about that. He talked about how, you know, the heritage of its company and the size of it, how they've been overwhelmed basically under customer service. They're basically going to go third party with their customer service is the plan uh, to be able to do it in different languages, to be able to do it 24 hours a day um, and, and basically pay somebody to do it for him. Uh, and so that's their plan for that. They also had a problem before Black Friday with they, they chose a new logistic partner in the EU, which is the people that actually ship the product, I presume, out of a warehouse. They had a lot of problems with that. And so it was just a snowball effect. Um, a lot of apologies. It sounds like he has some plans to recover, but yeah. I, I'm not sure if he did any favors by doing this. Um, I mean, the Black Friday thing, he blamed on a glitch in the order system to where it the system did not stop taking orders, even though they were well out of inventory. Um, and at times in the video, I mean, it was it was almost like pity me or pity us because we're going to lose money because we screwed up. Well, yeah, you screwed up. And sometimes when you screw up, you lose money. That's called business. Right. He was feeling sorry for himself. Yeah. I don't want to hear about your woes and your your worries. Give me results. And I'm not hearing it. No, no, you know, I mean, I, I manage an $8 million a year business and there's times where I lose money because we screw up <laughs> and that's just what it is. I don't go back to my customer and say, oh, I'm so sorry that I'm going to lose money on you because I screwed up. You know what? You, you just screwed up. Um, 
like I said, I, I don't think they did any favors. Um, I don't think he did any favors by, by doing this interview. Making a shift in the customer service to third party is not a terrible idea, but he's German. They're, they're just not great at PR. No. And again, as we've said before, their, their customer service has never been good. I, I mean, when I had issues back in 13 and 14, it was a mess then. And, you know, we're talking 10 years later and it's still a disaster. Well, the company has scaled bigger. I mean, um, in revenue and sales and they haven't scaled with it. And that's where they're in this disaster zone where they have orders that they can't fulfill <laughs> basically. And they have customer service that's out of control. They, you know, he, he talks, you know, thousands and ten thousands of emails that are unanswered, you know, because they don't have enough people and the people that are answering the emails, they're working, you know, as hard as they can and blah, blah, blah. I feel so sorry for them. And yeah. Well, and what was even more discouraging, I think was the people that are still waiting for black Friday orders, you know, they're going to get fulfilled first, but yet we're still taking orders for the same stuff, but we're giving more accurate dates of when they'll be delivered. Let me take your money and I may send you something at some point. Yeah. And one of the questions was why, you know, can, why don't you charge them, I guess, when you ship the product versus up front, And then there's a problem with warranty, uh, you know, starting at the point of purchase and you haven't even gotten the product. And, and I think that the warranty thing, he completely ignored that part of it. But um, yeah, I mean, he didn't have a lot of answers. He, he didn't do himself a lot of favors. This was an opportunity for him to, to fix things with his customers or at least get the ball going in the right way. You know, as far as the perception goes, I, as Brad said, the, this video, I don't think it helps the perception. I think it just shows exactly why you don't want to do business with Fanatec and, and to have the CEO not really install a lot of conf confidence in his business, you know, during this interview, yeah, I, I he probably should have not done it. You know, in this business, it's a specialized business. And customer service is everything. You know, it, it's a, a tight-knit community. Word gets around. And if you're a manufacturer out there, a reseller, distributor, please, man, give us customer service. But the the competition out there is just going to eat them, continue to eat them alive. Will they, will they completely die? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but it, they just can't sit on their laurels, you know. And uh, but people do have short memories too, so they can they they're not dead in the water yet. They're not motorsports games. <laughs> Getting close. You know, it, from a business perspective. You, you look at the market share that Fanatec has lost since COVID um, alone because of the QR disaster and, you know, everything else. And just, you know, the lack of management, you can see how everyone's, you know, getting away from Fanatec. Look, if they had a proper management in place and had embraced, you know, this, the sim racing growing out of COVID and all that, 
they they could be real big leaders in the industry, but they're not. You got all these others, you know, Sim Magic and and so forth, entering the the market space and really taking that market share. Ace Attack. Well, we shall see. Let's move on to the next one. We've got a release of a new shifter from Jinx. How about it, uh, Brad? Yeah, so we had a, uh, a post here from Jinx or from their website. Um, they've released their V2 uh, version 2 of the sequential shifter, and they've actually got it in silver and in black. So um, I plan to, plan to, to I guess, to, to look for to see if there's any reviews on this. Uh, very similar to some of the other styles we've seen. Um, it's a good-looking shifter. Um but this is the one Mike alluded to earlier. It's expensive. Um, it's around $1,000 uh, for this one. Um, they do offer a shifter and a handbrake together um, in either chrome or silver and black. Um, you know, together it takes the, the price tag up a little bit higher. But um, that's a good looking shifter. Just it's on the high end. Yeah. And I don't know what the difference is from, from V1 to V2. This is apparently V2. You know, visually, I don't see any differences. So, and they don't really spell it out either. But uh, yeah, Jinx has always been uh, very expensive. I don't think it's worth it. I mean, nine hundred twenty-five dollars for this. Um, you know, we talked about one that, earlier that was a hundred and twenty-five dollars. And look, if if I'm going to spend nine twenty-five, let's just bump that to the eleven hundred, twelve hundred, and get that. The, the bazooka from the uk you know because that's night and day better than this yeah i mean it, again like you know um david said if you're if you're going to go with a sequential that's what most like newer cars are using um uh, we've reviewed the or you know shared some reviews from like from the husenfeld uh their new one with the magnetics um i would probably move for that or over this and that's not as expensive as this and right, we got one left and this was kind of funny, but I mean, when you, if you want to talk immersion, immersion, you might get this. Make Sim Info has a customizable safety net for your rig. Yeah, put your name on it, customizable. Your name and your uh, flag of orange, like USA flag. Um, and so he shows them off here. He's got the Nick and he's got a US flag on them. They're Sparco. Um, so they're real. And if you're doing window nets, this is a really nice option. You can actually uh, direct message this guy uh, and set it up. You know, if you're a, if you're a streamer and your presentation of your hardware was a part of your stream, not just not just just your face, but you wanted to show cam shots of your whole rig, I could see this being something of value. Yeah, I mean, there's some guys out there that have got kind of the full, you know, immersion rig with, um, you know, I guess like, you know, roll gauge made out of PVC and, and you know, the canopies and all that stuff. And I've seen some of these. I mean, it's again, it's pretty neat. Just depends on how, how deep you want to go with the immersion factor. Yeah, the guy that uh, raced Beyond Matter on YouTube, he's got some of these in it. And it looks really cool. It's not going to make you faster, not going to make you better. But, yeah, it's an immersion thing. You know, it, it's... Uh, Nice, you can you know you can get your name on it. All right, I guess we can open up results. I'll jump out of order and insult myself first. I dropped from seventh place to points in tenth, from tenth to tenth place in points in our final league race. Um, we had an early caution. I'm just taking it easy. I had good pace, felt comfortable in the car. 
and we had a restart. Brad was right behind me, and I'm, uh, he, I'm starting on the outside. He's starting on the inside. Um, and I remember doing practice that he was never going down below the apron. So I was like, I better give him room just in case. And so I, I, as he's going inside, I try to stay a little bit high. The car wiggles just a little and snaps back into the wall, destroyed the car. Uh, and last place dropped, dropped in points. Uh, you know, just unclutched, disappointing way to finish what was mostly a, a, a good season, I think. And. Um, I ran my tater chip late model league again Tuesday night and I uh, won my fifth race of the season and I'm basically a whole race ahead in points with two races left so this next race I just gotta finish good again and uh, the last race will just be for fun nice uh, my league race uh, Wednesday was probably the best uh, run I've had all season I actually started dead last uh, worked my way up a uh, little I was getting got involved in the first wreck I couldn't miss it but I had about one minute damage wasn't worried about it the second caution I actually got ran into from behind well after the yellow came out like a, a, a lap later uh, I don't even know what happened but because of that I lost my track position I ended up pitting for tires on that caution uh, when others didn't um, and so with those tires, boy, that was fun driving up through the field. Uh, got clear up to second. Brad, you were right behind me. You, you had done, I think, done the same thing. But um, we had a, you know, a pit stop with a green, under green with about 50 to go. I cycled back to ninth. I worked my way up to about sixth with eight laps to go. And I get dropped from the server, disconnected. Uh, Discord didn't disconnect at all. And so that is very frustrating when I was running six right at the end of the race. Yep, and I'll go ahead and follow up with that. So again, uh, really had a good opportunity for a great result. Um, got, I got caught up in an accident early, same caution that Mike did. Um, we were both on the same pitch strategy. Um, you know, we'd use an extra set of tires and only had one set left. So we decided, you know what, we're going to run it out. We're going to be good. Um, again, cycled all the way up to the front and decided to go ahead and pit when everybody else does a lap or two later. Um, you know, I had it, me, you know, I'm smarter than iRacing. So I monkey with the INI files and, you know, turn off the tires. So, that way I can pick what I want to change, you know, when I when I come in. So in the heat of racing, I look over and I think I hit change all four tires. Oh no, I hit left only. So I pit, come out and I'm like, son of a gun, I didn't change the right side tires. So I had to come back in and change the right side tires again. And then um, yeah, two laps down. So I go from running second, third, whatever it was, to, to running, I think, 16th. And just like Mike, but only two laps earlier, I get dropped. No reason. No, no nothing. Discord never drops. Just get dropped. So, um, you know, insult to injury. You know, thanks to the teammates for making fun of me because I can't, I don't know how to, to, to do my pitch strategy. That was nice. Um, but I wasn't involved in that. I know you weren't, but Greg and Mike and John definitely took care of it for you. <laughs> so I missed out on getting to be involved in is the truth. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I took my digs in on Brad. Yeah, on it was just embarrassing. So, again, had fun. Um, 
you know, I raced in this league years and years ago. Uh, I was glad to be back, uh, but I'm glad it's over. I'm ready for NIS, open setups. I'm tired of fixed setups. Yeah, I yeah, finished John, P17. P17. Yeah, P17. Uh, you know, I, the Winter Series League was fun for me. I'm probably the lowest I-rating driver in that whole series, or if, if I'm not the lowest, really close. But uh, was running along on a yellow flag, screwed up and pitted on a you know when the pit was closed that put me three laps down because i'd take the black flag i was out of sequence everybody got lapped pitted again late just because i was so far down it didn't matter and but here's the thing about the winter series for me and i accomplished my goal i made it through that whole series not one x zero x for the whole year or the whole season so i was happy well done. I mean, I was telling you, John, this is just kind of getting your feet wet. So next season in the winter league, you're going to be ready to actually compete. I, you know, that's my plan. I mean, you know, the, the days of being conservative and staying out of troubles over it's, it's time to go racing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to Josh Campbell, Alan Pajari, uh, everyone over there uh, for making the league happen you know a great group there's no bias at all in or in, in the calls or there's no calls and so there's no bias you know christian Schaliner, uh from iRacing in there keeping us honest man he is tough to beat he short pitted during that green flag cycle and uh the guy he was racing didn't he actually just tried to stay out and extend and yeah he smoked him you mentioned there's no calls. They handle it pretty much like I, I racing as far as they, they run it in IS rules, but they will run you out of there if you race like certain people that that we complain about in an IS. We didn't have to deal with a lot of those characters because they're just not allowed in there or they've been kicked out. Because um, me and Alan had a had a private conversation, and I literally listed off three names of you know the people that I have the most trouble with, and he's like, "Oh yeah, they'll never run in this league." Yep. Yeah, it's, it's curated. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's what makes it enjoyable. Um, you know, long green flag runs. I mean, very few cautions. Um, you know, looking forward to that again next year. Uh, it's always fun. So, okay, so let's break down Justin Pearson's championships <laughs> plural how about this okay here's what he wrote well i was going to come on the pod and share the exciting news but the dongle on my headset died darn it but i did manage to clinch not one but two championships in division two in the winter series got to thank my team tofosi for guiding me in the right direction because i still don't know what i'm doing half the time lol made a little spreadsheet where i was keeping track of points because it was close between me and the guy in second place in both series and it was the same guy in both series also had a blast in this series and i learned a lot thanks everybody justin did a great job i don't think i ran a single race in the winter nis um but he really embraced the 87s um yeah, I was there every single week and, and got the payoff, so I'm very proud of him. You know, it, 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 it's got it's saying something when you win winter NIS, I think. Um, you know, that's a series to win. And Division Two. I mean, man, and then to win fixed and open, yeah, well done. You know, he gained almost a 1,000 I rating in this journey. 
Um, he's at 4,000 right now. Uh, so he'll be division one and I'm rooting for him uh, going into NIS. Other racing I ran, Draftmaster, car of tomorrow, car at Ta Talladega. John, I told you I couldn't resist. Oh, it's just like that cruel mistress uh, tempting me over and over. I, I, I told myself I wasn't gonna run these things and I just, I couldn't resist. And I qualified fourth, got the wall just once, that put me back, I was able to rally back to finish P6. I mean, Draftmaster is, it's like an addiction. You, you say to yourself, I can't do this because it's going to kill me, but you do it anyway. It's like blackjack. Well, once I touched the wall, I knew I couldn't win it. And I was just, oh my God, I can't lose any I rating and just get what I can get. Then I went to hosted. I ran Chris McGuire, uh, hosted a, a race with three different IndyCar, Indy cars. It was like the IR18 and then a IR06 or whatever. And then the new DW12. And I picked the uh, the the one without the 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 the, the top, the older Indy car, and I won it at Michigan. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I smoked them all. Uh, they actually had a big wreck behind me, and I pretty much ran away with it after that. Um, then we ran 87s at Talladega. Came from dead last uh, up to seventh, but then got wrecked out. Then Cara tomorrow at Talladega, wrecked out. And then we ran old IndyCar at Michigan, and I won it again. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, and I roasted them. Don, uh, how about your Draftmaster? Yeah, so Draftmaster this week did a P6, a P13, and a P25. You know, it, it, it's an adrenaline rush. Uh, it's a short, quick hit. What can I say? Um, I was a little pissed at the P25. We had a guy in there that was just a torpedo. He was a weapon and just crashed everybody at every turn. But uh, I'm going to keep doing Draftmaster. I can't stay away. All right. And then you had B open uh, P9. Yeah, B open. That was at Chicago. I decided not to qualify on that one, so I started at the back. You know, at that track, you just pick them off one by one by one. We had about 20 laps to go. I was P15, pit on a yellow uh, with 20 to go, and just went all out. You know, moved up six spots, finished P9. Good setup, good good race. All right, and David, your favorite track, P3. Yeah, and so it was at Sebring last week. Got on there and ran quite a few times and kept getting up and, you know, up to top higher splits, gaining I rating along the way as well. Uh, stayed out of trouble in most of them. And this one, Tom actually signed on with me. It was one of the last ones we got to run. Um, and first and second were just too fast for me. But uh, nowadays, with so many people running GTP, a podium is something worth noting. All right, let's jump to final thoughts then. David Hall. Well, last week, uh, Greg started up his stream again, and I I had quit streaming for a while, partially just as a result of the burnout and all the all the bad luck I had last year. It's back up. I made a little alter, alteration now where um, I can talk to the team without talking to the stream. So, But it's up there for, for listeners and teammates to watch without having to jump on the Discord. Uh It'll never, it's broadcasting in different places, Twitch, Facebook, two Facebooks and, and YouTube. And 
I'd love for y'all to come in and say hi, watch. However, I'm never going to get to the point where I'm one of those monetizable people, I don't think, especially running in VR. And I threw out encouraging the team, let's get other people streaming. Um, Why not? Uh, Let's get a group of us, especially for the 500. Adam, Jocelyn, final thought. Um, just ready to get this season started on here. And I swung by the shop the other day and looked at my cart and it's still covered in mud. And that kind of gave me some motivation and I'm ready to get that going too. And kind of had a couple months of racing, just eh, didn't love it. And now I'm ready to go again. It's season. All right, Brad Wren. Uh, excited for NIS. So first time back on uh, six plus years and excited to, to tackle the whole season. Um, you know, I've said before, you know, just thankful to be back with uh, these guys, um, you know, having teammates and, and everybody, uh, you know, all the input and everything that you guys do, it makes all of us better racers. So I appreciate it. Um, and just looking forward to a really, really good year. We have a good group right now. Uh, and I think the enthusiasm uh, for season here has never been higher. Uh, with Tafosi Racing, with our current crew, a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, excited about what's coming. So um, it's been fun. John Curley, final thought. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll echo what you guys said. You know, we're we're still four weeks out from the next season, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. NIS is coming up. What next week? Yep. I can't wait. I'm I'm ready to go. Uh, you know, I've I've been one of those guys that plays it safe for the first, you know, 15 months I've been on this service. Uh, and I'm ready to race. So let's go racing, boys. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Yeah, that's right. Uh, my final thoughts. Uh, yeah, just the calm before the storm. Biding my time, thinking positive thoughts about the 500. Like I said, I'm going to have multiple attempts to win this thing. Um Let's win it more than once, but um, hoping to be in a split with teammates, uh, that always helps. Um, but I looking forward so to a good event. Uh, other than that, I think that's all I got. So, hey, we'll see you on the track later. <laughs>